Welcome back to another Yak Sports Podcast where we talk about the sports you, the Augusta County sports fan, want to talk about. I am Leela McRae. Joe Deck is with me, like always. We were planning to talk a lot about VHSL and preview the meeting, but we'll hold that conversation for a couple weeks uh, as they push that meeting to 9-17. But we'll still have Matt Hatfield on with us here in the B Block to talk all things uh, high school sports. But, Joe, let's jump into college football where – some college football got played this last week and we've been waiting for it. Uh, Joe, how much of that game did you watch? I watched zero seconds of that yeah. game. I had it on the second TV and it didn't hold my attention. The open and play was a uh, option play to the left. Guy made some moves, took it to the house, like 80 yards. And then my attention level went out the door and that team lost anyway. Central Arkansas got the first win of the season. It's just, I was watching the high school games this weekend, like because they were on. I think they kept my attention a little bit better because I don't know. I, the level of play didn't seem that crazy. These top level high school football teams playing against each other. I, I don't know. It just seemed more intriguing to me. I'm not saying the level of play was equal. I just, I think the level of play was as entertaining. I'll say that. Any FCS game that doesn't feature JMU has a 0% chance of me watching it. And even when it features JMU, if there's a better FBS game, I'm watching that or if Virginia Tech's playing. Yeah, it did not feed the need at all. I just keep looking ahead to when the when the power five gets going here in a couple weeks. I mean, there's a schedule here for this this week. I mean, there's Thursday oh, night. God. Central Arkansas plays UAB Saturday. There's a list of games all day. I mean, Memphis plays. OK. And then Monday night, Labor Day, the only decent names you'd like can really know is BYU and Navy play and it has Reese Davis and Kirk Herbstreit on the call I'll probably tune into that just because it's those guys calling it and they'll be talking about everything and I assume they're doing a I I don't know if they're doing a game day Saturday but I want to hear those guys talk you know in their normal forum so I'll probably tune into that but nothing's jumping out to me until that September 12th weekend I was gonna say it's it's maybe Arkansas State Memphis if I'm bored enough I'll watch it um I'm not tuning into it none of these games like Navy and BYU is the it's only it's not going to be might. appointment yeah none of yeah. these games are appointment viewing like if I'm sitting there looking for something to do yeah I'll watch it but yeah BYU and Navy I mean god bless them I, I root for Army every single time they're in the top 25 and if Navy was in the top 25 I'd root for them just for anarchy and chaos but watching those teams play is hard because I know that it's one of three plays. It's a run up the middle. It's a run to the left or it's a run to the right. And that's it. it, it you're like, you're attacking my roots here. It's like, you're talking about a Riverheads game. <laughs> yeah. The only difference is these teams are outmatched. Like it's like if Riverheads was like, okay, we're playing Virginia tech and uh, we're running the option. Like I'd be like, all right, well, this probably isn't going to go great. But okay. And so, yeah, it's just like, all right. And look, every once in a while, Army takes Oklahoma into triple overtime and it's thrilling stuff. But then what, that's the worst part, right? Like, because I root for chaos and I'm rooting for these academies that have no business in the top 25 to get in the top 25 and win. When they're playing a team that is a lot better, i.e. Oklahoma, I just get mad every time they don't get like five yards on a carry because I'm like, well, now the play, now the, now the plan is screwed. Now we've got to pass and we don't know how to do that. So 
it's just not good football. I guess it's a, a long-winded way of saying yeah. none of these teams playing in the opening weekend. They could have scrapped this opening weekend, and I would have not cared. They could have said, you know what? It's too dangerous. All these games are canceled. And I would have been like, good. That actually is going to help the sport of football because <laughs> I don't care. Austin P in Central Arkansas could be playing on the moon, and I wouldn't care. I would be like, who? It's the first game in space. And I'd be like, cool. I bet the aliens are pissed. <laughs> well, I think what this weekend kind of did for me is seeing an actual football game. I know FCS, but still an actual football game that's going to count happen. And then them putting out times for the upcoming games and putting together like who's going to be calling what games when. I guess I think it's going to happen now. I really didn't. Uh, probably a week ago, I still thought this thing's well, going to fall apart. And I think... <laughs> We're still on the brink. We still could. We see these college numbers every day, and I know we'll talk about it a little bit. But it's just, I'm starting to believe, well, I'm starting to believe that they really will prioritize money above everything. Uh, and that's not a new thing. But I just, I guess I see it happening now. I see, I, it seems they're very willing to play without students on campus at these different schools that have that situation. Um, so even if it's a kind of across the board, these schools kind of send everybody home. I I guess they'll keep the football kids there and, and, and let them play. I had a long text argument with my, my hokey friends. I just, I, I draw the line between protecting these kids or letting the people play if you're a pro or not. And so when they're pro, you have a contract, you have this, there's money, you know, the hazard pay, that's my difference. And I just think, I just think we need to protect these college kids from themselves because I know they want to play. I'm sure, I mean, a lot of them, when we're talking about 98% of these kids, this is their only opportunity to play this sport, and then it's going to be over. You know, there's only so much pro opportunity in all these sports. So I know you have a limited clock, but it's just, it just doesn't seem worth the risk. Uh, I mean, and, and looking at that, JMU now, you know, setting some sports down, like 12 different sports, they have mm -hmm. putting a pause on practice because their COVID numbers are going crazy up. And I mean, all the colleges are all the colleges numbers are going up and all of them this week. It seems like all the ones that got released on Monday took a big jump. JMU, maybe a little bit more than others. So it's just I, I don't know what's the go or no go spot, because if we haven't seen it yet, that's why I guess I think we're going to play this thing. Because like if we haven't seen it yet, then I, I don't know if we're going to see it. Yeah, I agree. Until a football team, it, I think it's going to take a famous football player getting it and not being able to play and then them having to shut it down. Like if Trevor Lawrence got it, they'd shut it down. Or if a coach or if a player dies or if a coach dies, well, then they would I shut don't, it down. I, why do we don't even talk about death because well, you're I asking realize, what it's going to take. And I'm just, I'm being brutally it honest. Is, it's going to take terrible, death. But yeah, I guess it's death or nothing. That's what I hate about this talk about COVID overall and not just in sports, but it's just, it always goes to death. You know, having a very bad sickness that could leave you with, you know, defects afterwards is a pretty bad thing. It's a, and, and we don't know. That's my, that's my holdup on all this. That's why I feel like I'm conservative in this part is because I don't know what, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't, we know so little. So it feels like we need to be more reserved and, and, and take less chances and, 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 you know, hold a little tighter. But I, I guess I, you know, my, my thought on that doesn't matter obviously. Well, and just, that's fine, but yeah, oh. I just want all the people retweeting the big 10 are cowards. The PAC 12 are cowards play college sports. This is dumb. 
life, death, blah, blah, blah. Just know that if, you know, what appears to be happening where there's a lot more of this heart condition linked to COVID and if they find out, you know, 10, 20 years, hey, actually, that thing that we thought actually is true. And there's also all these other long lasting effects from people who even didn't show symptoms but had it. Um, Just know I'm keeping the receipts. I'm keeping the receipts so that when you say, wow, this was really dangerous. I can't believe so-and-so let this happen. Oh, my God. I'm going to be like, yeah, and you. So I just want everyone to know I'm keeping the receipts. I'm keeping the tweets. I'm I'm taking screenshots in case you get the bright idea to go back and delete them later um, because I'm going to put you on blast because there's a lot of people who are loud, ignorant, and, like, proud ignorant, and uh, I just cannot, if they're wrong on this, and I hope they're not because I don't want there to be a large number of this population dying before they need to because, you know, average, insert, ignorant idiot here has to be ignorant idiot, and he gets as much of a say in this country as people who are using their brain. So I don't have time for them to just willfully be ignorant and then later, when it's convenient for them, go back and say, wow, I can't believe we just we rushed those college kids out there and didn't, you know, we're taking advantage of them, letting the schools get all this millions of dollars and they're out there risking their health. And now look, you know, Trevor Lawrence dies of a heart disease at age 40. That's a lot. (laughs) I'm just just, put a name to it, man. That's tough. Well, they they need to, they need to have examples because they're too stupid to think about it. Otherwise they don't care about human beings. We've been over this week in week out. It's we above me. I've said it before. I said it last week. I'll say it again. It's we above me and the people who don't know anybody who's been affected by this so they can't possibly fathom fathom it or think it's fake or a pandemic or whatever. They're the dumbest people on the face of the earth. It's the number one problem with the internet is it lets all the idiots get together and share their idiot minds and spread just sheer stupidity on a grand scale. We as a society are dumber for them having their voice heard. Watch the scene, Billy Madison, where he says, you are awarded no points and may God have mercy on your soul. That's how I feel every time I read one of those tweets. I mean, I I guess I'm I'm comfortable where we're at with with a lot of this, um, because you and I agree on nearly all of it. Uh, You you more adamantly with the calling of people idiots, though I don't disagree with you. Uh, But you know, if if we end up being wrong, like nothing really was that bad. Well, at least I don't know. I'm comfortable not taking the risk, I guess. And and I, I mean, I, I kind of bring that up as being a parent. You're not a parent. You think the same way. So it's just I it's just a level of well, thinking. If, of, if we're wrong, uh, no, nobody has risked their life. If we're right, a bunch of people have risked their life and possibly yeah. had it shortened because everyone else. Well, not everyone else, but the dumb people were wrong our way doesn't potentially have risk. And it, so it's a tough spot. Uh, we'll have a lot of tough spots in tonight's conversations, but um, yeah, that's where we are. I think this thing's going to happen. So buckle up. Yeah. Um, JMU loves to be number one in stuff. Um, you're number one in Virginia in COVID cases. So good job. You're doing a great job, not controlling COVID on campus. Uh, it makes me think that everyone in the administration is dumb there and has no redeeming qualities because They've said, hey, if this gets out of hand, you know, obviously we're going to take steps then. I guess uh, I'm wondering what those steps are because there's a JMU student who put on SGA Twitter. SGA representative. Yeah, yeah, SGA representative 
listing in a thread that I'll hope I'll ask. I don't know. Maybe Leland won't retweet it, but uh, um, retweet it. Uh, where he I goes remember. down where <laughs> I, well, I bookmarked it. I'll send it to you um, again, part of the receipts and um, it, where he just goes through this list of things, Jane, you said they were going to do and there are things that they aren't doing or doing the opposite, doing like, the opposite. Cannot... Yeah. We're going to control the groups of students yeah. Uh, especially on campus. Okay, well, we're having campus movie nights where everybody is sitting right next to each other, no matter. Two hundred and some plus people yeah. there, all Great. up on each other. Yeah. Smart. Um, hey, if you're if you test positive, you know, don't go to class. We'll make online options available. Well, apparently, some professors are telling them actually the opposite that there will be no online options available, and you're required to get the work. So, uh, great. Yeah. We're. Th- I wonder how it spreads to the point where we're almost double the next closest school, which is Virginia Tech at number two. Uh, we're killing them in the number of cases that we have. And it's going to keep going up because, again, the people at JMU don't care. And it goes back to another thing where I'm like, yeah, I get how Kurt Signetti gets a job and has it. And he gets to look foolish when he tweets a picture of a wolf howling at a moon. And then his football program has to get shut down because, surprise, COVID outbreak on the football team, which was an inevitability. And now he looks like an even bigger idiot than normal. And then you compare that to Mike Houston, who is in a different topic altogether, but he's coming out on social media and saying, hey, there's this important topic that is affecting a large group of my players, and it matters to them, and I'm having conversations about how they feel about this. I'm not saying Kurt Signetti's not doing that. Maybe he's just not doing it publicly, and that would be fine if that's how he's handling it. Uh, but it just goes back to a larger point where I don't think if, if JMU had had their, and maybe I'm wrong, but if I think if the CAA had canceled their season and Mike Houston was the head coach, I don't think we would have seen, uh, we're going to push alone and be some lone wolf or whatever Kurt Signetti was trying to promote. And I know we wouldn't be hearing the, nobody wants to play us. And that's why we didn't have a football season argument that I'm hearing from Kevin Warner and Kurt Signetti and, Everybody else at JMU who is too stupid to use a brain and realize that the reason you can't find anybody is because everyone else has gone to conference only, and your conference decided not to play. And, and interesting enough on that topic, people on Twitter immediately, when Signetti said no one would play us, everybody went after Virginia Tech because everybody thinks for some reason Virginia Tech would be scared to play in JMU when they have them scheduled to play in 2025, and they just have ignoring that. They just have better yeah. things to do. They didn't even they didn't even talk to with each other. There was no communication between them one way or the other. So like they weren't even asked. They didn't say no. So just I, people are, I'm, I'm tired of JMU fans thinking that they're bigger. Come on up. I, just come on up. Oh yeah. Come on up to FBS. Just come on up and then we'll talk because I'm done talking. <laughs> what well, is uh, that sports center commercial where Evander Holyfield's walking through, come out and get uh, your walking through come the on, halls. Charlie. Yeah. Come on, Charlie, come out and get your whooping. Oh man. Yeah. Come on, Kurt, come up and get your whooping. <laughs> yeah, move up to FBS, you big coward. Uh, right. Speaking of VT football, uh, NC State had to shut down their athletics because, uh, surprise, they had an outbreak. And so that game got pushed to September 26th. It means UVA's game, non-conference game, that they couldn't find. And Virginia Tech having the NC State game pushed back means it's the season opener for both teams. Virginia Tech won't be moving it up, it looks like. Uh, and that, UVA would have two weeks off if they moved it up, so they won't be doing that. Yeah, so they won't be doing that, and instead Virginia Tech will just be playing 10 straight games. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. And uh, I think people are kind of complaining about the 10 straight games. This year, things, weird things are going to happen. Uh, something tells me they're not going to play 10 straight games. There's going to be some other fidgeting in, this, in the contracts or in the schedule there somewhere. Um, so we'll see what happens there. So I'll worry about that when we get there. If we play nine straight weeks, I'll worry about the 10th straight week. Um, so that's what we have there. Open up with UVA. I think my response to you was the sooner we can get that Commonwealth Cup back to Blacksburg, the better. So I'm fine with it. The other interesting news from Virginia Tech is that uh, Cam Phillips, former Virginia Tech Hokie, mm-hmm. he signed with the Panthers. He had that great season in the XFL. He was tearing it up every single week. Then the season ended uh, early. But uh, he got a chance with the Panthers, made the most of it, and they signed him. So hopefully he can catch on there. Hopefully he can stay on that roster. Um, you know, this is late August, so you would think if they signed him this late, he's going to have a shot to at least be around the team this year. Um you know, maybe if the first couple of weeks he's not exactly on the active roster, but if he's still like on the practice squad or right there, um, that could be good for him. I, I He's one of those guys. I think if he's given an opportunity to prove himself, he will. So I hope he has an opportunity on Sunday uh, sometime in the near future. Yeah. And um, I think kind of like with the college football teams, I think an outbreak on some of these teams is inevitable. So it's all about yeah. having bodies to to plug in because – I think unlike Major League Baseball, you won't see the NFL postponing games because they just won't be able to do it. It's just football is a different animal. You can't you can't do that. It, Not it just if you won't want work. that money. Yeah, it just won't work. <laughs> Major League Baseball talk. Uh, your Orioles just didn't have a very good week. Uh, I believe they didn't win this week at all. Uh, that's yeah. not true they didn't win this past week i don't think Who'd that's true Leland. i think we beat somebody well you're only two and eight in your last 10 and you're down to 14 and 19 you're fourth in the al east so things have trended poorly since you've gotten so high on them uh i was rooting for them though i want them to do well i hope they can maybe rebound but they have the mets and the yankees this week and then next week they have the mets and the yankees again and uh, the Mets have had some positive things going on. I wouldn't say they're world beaters. And then the Yankees, they're Orioles beaters. I don't know if they're world beaters, but they're Oriole beaters. So you're going to need to kind of break the tide these next two weeks to uh, get yourself back in it. Or mm-hmm. we're out. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. The think team so. sold. The team sold Sunday and today uh, and yeah, Saturday. Even uh, we we got rid of pieces. We got a lot more than I thought we could get for some pieces. So I was actually really impressed with Michael Elias. Still there. Yeah, but he's still hurt, so we'll see. I don't think he's coming back, um, but not this year. Um, but I-, I was impressed with the haul Michael Elias was able to get for Givens and Tommy Malone and who is the other guy we traded today? Miguel Castro, <laughs> we traded. Um, I-, I We traded him to the Mets, actually, so we'll see him. Um, yeah. But I, I thought... I thought he did a good job. This weekend was infuriating because of just the walk-off defeats that we had until today where we ended up winning by throwing out a runner at the plate on a play that was very, very good. Uh, Jose Iglesias looked much better than Derek Jeter on that play. He did a similar thing to Derek Jeter, except the throw he cut off was not going to make it to the plate if he didn't catch it off. Didn't cut it so off. He was behind first base. He was behind first base. And now? he then threw out the runner uh, on a much tougher play. And uh, let me yeah, say this. If Derek Jeter was a Baltimore Oriole, he wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Derek Jeter is an average baseball player. 
There, I said it. Yeah, because he would have wouldn't have been in eight World Series. Oh, so Derek Jeter's actually not a good baseball player. He's a product <laughs> of a good GM and a good he's, team. He he's a he's a good baseball player. No, I don't know why he's an average baseball player. He's like an average baseball Yankees. player. I hate the also, if Derek Jeter was a Baltimore Oriole when he played, he would have had to be a DH. He because he couldn't have played shortstop. He's not better than Mike Bordick at shortstop. He's not better than Cal Ripken at third. He's not better than Alomar at second. He would have had to be a DH. Well, things work out, he, and he is in the Hall of Fame. So all those other only guys, because uh, and only because our country has an unhealthy worship of the devil, aka the New York Yankees. All right. Uh, the, what I am excited about in baseball right now is the Padres because my Pirates are terrible. Um, but the Padres continue to do good things that I like. They they win a decent amount. Uh, it wasn't as hot of a week this week, but still getting a plenty of wins. But they they loaded up. They took the trade line and and added pieces. Um, they didn't have to get rid of their top four prospects. They did have to get rid of their fifth best prospect. Um, but they brought in a lot of guys. Clevenger from the Indians is probably the highlight there to help that pitching staff. They're going for it. They're going for a run right now. And I'm fine with it because in in I know it's a 60-game season. It's going to be a harder playoffs. You have more teams in the playoffs. So yeah. the cream's going to rise to the top there and be in the playoffs. It's going to be a championship either way. You're going to get rings. You're going to get a banner. And in the book, it's going to have champion 2020. So why not the Padres go for it? They have a lot of guys hot right now, and they're riding that high. And what this trade, all these trades really did was help kind of insulate that. So if some of these hot guys, Tatis, and some of these other guys that are, you know, the rookie that's having the career year or, you know, career year, yeah, he's a rookie. Um, they have these guys, if they cool off some, some of these other guys should be able to supply some some hits, some power, and and keep them going there. So I like what they did there. I'm rooting for them. I'm not saying I'm a huge Padres fan, but I'm just rooting for them basically because I thought they were going to be surprisingly good this year, and here they are probably even beating that. So I'm rooting for them just because it's not the Yankees, it's not the Red Sox, it's not the Dodgers, it's not the Houston Cheaters. Like, it's somebody different, and I'm rooting for it. Yeah, I, I Clevenger definitely improves them, and some other players definitely do. I'm not overtly an expert on the San Diego Padres roster construction before this. That's fair. But Neither am I. <laughs> I. I did look at some of the people they were getting, and people were like, wow, they got this guy. I'm like, that guy's not good. Um, Mitch Moreland. I would not be flipping a lid. And if Mitch Moreland's that much of an improvement, then yeah, I guess the Padres have been lucky McLuckerson to be doing what they're doing. But uh, obviously they traded for two catchers, so obviously they didn't have any faith in the catchers on the roster. Uh, They have Mitch Moreland. uh, And again, to me, Clevenger, yes. But they traded away Trammell, who was a guy that was getting a lot of pub on, on the prospect list. We'll see. I know you said they didn't trade away any other top fives other than him, but it it does kind of have a feel where the for the Padres, it's like this year or it's gonna maybe be another two years. Um, because you traded away a lot, and I don't know if you re-sign any of these guys. Well, I think it helps. The better they do this year, the better it helps for them keeping some guys. I've heard they're committed to spending uh, money some talks. money coming up. They've <laughs> That's spent all Machado. Fine, They've got but... Machado there for 10 years, so you've already proven you will spend big money. So I think you'll be able to talk 
talk to these guys, and you're going to probably have to spend a little more money again. Yeah, but you you spend all that money on Manny Machado. San Diego's not the Dodgers. They're not the Yankees. They're not the Cubs. They're not made of money. They haven't been. They're not I made of money. Article, I don't I read think. An article today talking about how they were like willing to spend money. They're like trying to go for it with this group. Well, not yeah, but it's a shortened season, and you're paying a no, fraction they, of what you would have to year. pay. They were saying like the next three, four years, they want to. They're committed to making this happen. With we'll with see. The cool. Money talks we'll and see. words walk. So money well, got Machado there. So I I don't know what else. Okay, well you've signed a once in a generation player in Manny Machado for that much money. It usually does not leave you with a lot else to spend. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, um, I do want to say, uh, before we leave the Nats, uh, well, we already did, but to go back to him really quickly, I thought it was interesting that their GM, Mike Rizzo, is in the last year of his contract. I would have thought he would have gotten an extension by winning the World Series. But it did bring me back to this interesting thought process. Um, look, obviously, my first inclination is the learners are cheap and they're just not going to pay Mike Rizzo what he wants to get paid to still be the GM of the Washington Nationals. My second thought is they were a tire fire at the beginning of the year last year. They they got in by the hair of their chinny-chin-chins in the playoffs. And then we saw some of the most lucky breaks for a team to get them past elimination games in the wild card, in the divisional, and then they walked their way through the NLCS. And then they won in seven games in a very exciting World Series. And I still look at that team, and you you see what they're doing now, minus some pieces, yes. But you look at that team, and you're like, how did this team win a World Series? And maybe that's maybe that's what the owner's looking at. It's like, look, if if Mike Rizzo had gotten knocked out in the wild card round again, or even the divisional round, we would be looking at this team saying, Mike Rizzo is a failure for not doing more with this squad. And it's arguable to say he should have done more with it anyway, uh, despite the World Series title he won, and maybe that's the reason. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that or not, but I, I just found it curious that their GM, after coming off a World Series title, does not have a long-term contract. Yeah, it's surprising. I, I didn't know that until you said it, so I, it's surprising. Probably the points he brought up are in there somewhere. Or they're just about to sign some papers. One of the one of the two. It seems like those things kind of do sometimes just happen. Uh, um, I I would think you'd want him before the end of the trade deadline to know where he is. Yeah, maybe. Um, just to circle back on one fact, Orioles won last Sunday on the twenty third, and then they won tonight. So they didn't win for a week. Boom. All right, you tell me what happened in NASCAR. Oh, it was a thrilling finish at the I don't remember the name of the race, but at Daytona. Um, Coca-Cola? I don't know. Sure. The Coca-Cola 400 or 600, 600 or 400 or 700. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> it was the last race before they start the chase or whatever they're calling it now. I think it's still the chase. Um, obviously, my NASCAR expertise is being very much brought into question here and rightfully so. But I was watching because my boy, Matt DiBenedetto, was going for the final playoff spot and he was competing basically with Jimmy Johnson um, and Byron and Byron ended up winning the race. So he got in, but uh, that was also because of just some hellacious accidents in the final few laps that took out a number of drivers 
and one I thought was going to definitely catch my boy Benedetto, but he somehow avoids the accident, gets through it. So does Jimmy. So does Byron. Byron gets up front after the last wreck. He ends up winning. Benedetto avoids all wrecks. Jimmy Johnson does not avoid all wrecks. He gets caught up in one, but don't worry, Jimmy fans. He wasn't going to make it anyway because Matt Benedetto was ahead of him pretty much the entire race. And Jimmy Johnson was just not going to get it done. And uh, I know it's the last year of his career and a lot of people are sad. You know, what, such a great driver. Doesn't well, make the playoffs. Enough victories before. Why didn't they? they Doesn't didn't make the playoffs in his final year. Uh, well, the reason they didn't enjoy it is because he got caught for cheating a lot. Um, him and his boy Chad Knauss, uh, the Houston Astros of NASCAR. So really love Jim Jimmy Johnson not making the playoffs, and Matt DiBenedetto gets in. So uh, I'm gonna. In- not watch the next four races, unfortunately. And that's going to be the only four where Matt Benedetto is in the chase because he's not going to, unless he wins, he's not going to advance. Uh, and I, I don't think he's going to win, uh, but man, Daytona is a fun track. And so is Talladega. If NASCAR only raced at Daytona and Talladega, I would watch a lot more NASCAR, but they race at these other tracks and I just don't care. Yeah, I hear you. I, I watched the end of that race. Uh, I, I, had black panther on that night and then um was it that night we had a movie on uh and then once it ended right at the right time for me to have racing on one tv and and the football on another so i was i was happy about that and it felt i feels good to have different sports on different tvs that's that's for sure all right nba uh is back we will talk about that in a minute but we have the Clippers advancing over the Mavs, and I believe someone on this podcast named Leland last week told everybody to chill out about the Mavs, and Luka Doncic, he's great, he's good, but I just told everybody last week, just chill out. That was one game. He hit a game winner. He had a lot of points. That was great, but just the Clippers are the better team here. Well, the Clippers closed out the series. I mean, the Mavs didn't win another game, so I think I had that. Yeah, I don't recall. Of course you don't. Um, so then we have Utah and Denver. They play a game seven on Tuesday. So that'll be fun. Uh, in the, uh, other side of the West, the Lakers are waiting on the Rockets and Thunder to get done. They play Monday night at nine. So the Rockets might advance Monday night or there'll be a game seven there. Um, I don't, I mean, Houston, Oklahoma City's living up. I mean, that's, that's kind of the storyline there. In the East, uh, Celtics uh, and Raptors, they played game one, Celtics won, and then the Bucks and Heat played game one tonight on Monday night, and the Heat won. There you go, your Heat, beating that one seed. Oh, let's go. Cue the Katy Perry. There's my dark horse. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, we don't have a lot of comments on the ins and out of the NBA, uh, but they stopped playing last week, and again, just like when – decisions had to be made about COVID back in March and the NBA kind of led the charge or made the first move that kind of led everybody else to make decisions. Uh, the NBA was kind of the first to move with the uh, reaction to what's happening up there um, in mm-hmm. uh, Minnesota. Wisconsin. And, or, this one was in Wisconsin, but yeah, yeah it's, it's easy it's, to, I mean, it's, it's sad everywhere. that you can get them confused. Yeah. And so anyway, uh, they, the Bucks came out for like a four o'clock game or it was a late early evening game. And, uh, they said they're not going to play. 
And that kind of led the other teams to say they're not playing. And I, and I think there was already this, those discussions there. And no one played basketball that night. The next night, there was big team, big league-wide meetings. LeBron James had a lot to say. It seemed like one night they might not play anymore. And then the next day, Michael Jordan kind of got involved. And uh, they spoke. And, and they decided to come back and play. Uh, you and I traded some texts in there. We haven't really talked on the topic since. So I just wonder where you're at now. You said on Thursday mm -hmm. that you thought if they don't stop the season or if I had another friend also say if if no one takes a loss for a game, it means nothing. And you said they they shouldn't they should scrap the season. That will say more than anything else. I disagreed. I don't know if there's a right answer. There's what they did. But yeah. I think them having a continual public um, stage for them to be on is important. Uh, that was my stance then. It seems like they kind of got on board to that of they have more of a voice, a more of a continual voice. If they stay where they're at, play the rest of the season, the season's going to end at some point anyway. There's going to be less and less teams each week, you know, each round of the playoffs here. These guys will go home. They will have an opportunity to get involved at home with their communities and how they want to that way soon enough. Um, but I think it's more important for them to have this stage where after every game there's microphones six feet away from them, I guess, or being pushed by a pole in front of them, but they have an opportunity to speak after each one of these games. You don't get that Doc Rivers moment that everybody watched Thursday morning without him speaking in a post-game press conference. And if they all go home, you'll have some initial comments from a lot of people, and then all you'll get the rest of the time, I think, is LeBron James and, like, Greg Popovich when, you know, and, and some of the other guys. I think this is the better way for them to continue to have a voice. Yeah, it's my opinion. Yeah, and I'm not saying you're wrong. Um, since then, I've gone back and forth. I, I get if the players want their voices heard, yes, playing is going to help that versus not playing. Uh, my my rationale behind saying I thought they could have a larger impact if they shut it down was the fact that they're going to be at home. They're going to be at home. They're going to be in their communities, and they can... They can go out, they can protest, they can organize, be activists in their community. Um, uh, it looks like they're already working with the NBA owners. I think I saw over the they're weekend the progress. NBA announced yeah. that every NBA arena is now a polling place in the upcoming election. So that is something that helps. I don't know how that's going to work uh, in terms of who can vote there and who can't. Those communities have to figure that out, but yeah, at yeah. least it's an option. I mean, it, it's, it's now it's an option, option, and yeah, it's it's a central location for people that are going to know where that is. Um, it's sad that we have to do this. It's sad that NBA games in the bubble weren't played, not because of the pandemic, but because of racism, and. Uh, we don't get or we try not to get political on this podcast. <laughs> We've and done I, a crappy job at that this summer, man. <laughs> and well, but I I don't think it's this is political. Honest, I, mean, I don't think this is political in the sense that I'll say this. It if this were happening in another country, we we wouldn't call this a political issue. We call it a human rights issue. So why is it different here? I agree. I, I mean I think a lot of the topics that we've talked on that we've probably off air more acknowledge the political side of it and on air. We try to kind of ride the line. 
I, we don't. We, it, it, people have made it political. I think, you know, health and safety shouldn't be political, and I don't think racism should be political. And I, I just, I'm starting to have a problem where, the, well, I mean, if, you, if you're not going to watch the NBA, if you're not going to watch sports again because these guys are taking knees or they're sitting out games or it says Black Lives Matters on the court, I, I feel sorry for you in multiple ways. One, you're not going to, I mean, sports are fun. I love watching sports. I know how much joy that brings me and, and, and even sometimes an escape. And, and it's something that really doesn't matter. You know, we acknowledge that so often on this podcast this summer, playing these games in the realm of human life does not matter. But it's I like it. It's good to have. I want it. I, I'm sad that we don't have it like normal right now. But I'm sad for you that you won't have that if, if you have enjoyed it previously. But it also makes me sad that like your react, you, you feel worse. You feel more willing to make a change to what you're doing be, be, because they had a reaction of not liking to be suffering racism and people around them and people in their community and people that they represent um, are suffering racism, your reaction to their reaction is what makes you want to change your behavior instead of, you know, change your behavior in, in the least of listening to what they're saying and understanding why they're upset. And instead you just stop watching or cut it off or put your fingers in your ears instead of just listening. And I, I think that's sad. I just feel sad for you. If that's your approach that you don't want to watch it anymore because, and, and this, and this isn't just now, this isn't because the NBA did this. I had a similar feeling when a Kaepernick was taking a knee, like I'm not going to watch NFL again because those guys are taking knees. And it's like, I mean, do you, do you hear what he's saying? Like, I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem that hard to listen a little bit, even if you still disagree. I, I really, I guess I feel sad for you if you disagree, but uh, okay. You have a different opinion. It's America. We all have different opinions about everything, but I, I just, I just feel sad for you. If, if right now you're not watching these NBA playoffs and normally you would be, just because it says Black Lives Matters on the quarter, they sat out a couple games. It just, it makes me sad. Well, for all those people, they're running out of sports because they said they're not watching the NBA because of this. Baseball they're not, they're not watching too. football because the football teams have all put out Black Lives Matter statements. They're not watching Major League Baseball because some Major League Baseball teams shut down and have provided Black Lives Matter statements. They're not watching hockey because hockey shut down for a day. That kind of... They're not watching NASCAR because NASCAR got rid of the Confederate flag. So uh, I guess that leaves you college football until the athletes take cable news all day. I guess that leaves some college sports until the college (laughs) athletes take a knee and they get mad about that. And then I guess they watched little league. Cool. I just want to say, I just want to say, uh, spoiler alert. The, the sports teams will not miss you. And I know when I go to sporting events, I won't miss you. I think it's the same people that we're never going to buy Nikes again because Kaepernick is sponsored by <laughs> Nike, and I still see them wearing Nikes. And so still, still got Nikes on their feet, yeah. <laughs> I, and like uh, I think you're like, right. It's a lot of hollow statements. People, I'm never going to do this again. Okay. Uh, look, I don't get into the NBA just because it's – I just don't like it compared to college basketball. I like the pace of college basketball better. Yeah, this isn't because of this. Yeah, and I'll probably still, when it gets to the conference finals, I'll still probably watch just because it's something, yeah, it'll be something on TV, and the alternative is BYU and Navy. So (laughs) I'll probably watch, especially if my Heat get into the Eastern Conference Finals and I get to do 
Joe was right, and uh, Whelan will just have to suffer. Um, so, yeah, I just uh, the people who say they never watch sports again. Cool. I mean, I get the idea of it. You needed to stop the season. I get that thought, but I just think the platform is so much more important. So, as someone on Twitter said, this isn't an airport, sir. You don't have to announce your departure. So, <laughs> all right. Let's just get out of here. Let's get to the B block. And this week on the Yak Sports Podcast, we have Matt Hatfield from Virginia Preps with us. And Matt, obviously, uh, today the announcement that the VHSL is pushing their meeting back from what was going to be September 2nd to now, I believe it's September 17th, 13th. Something, something teenth. So (laughs) I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, But anyway, we wanted to get your idea of the draft that the VHSL came out with. And uh, in terms of the scheduling of when when teams can start practicing, when they can play and when they have to be done by playing. And your thoughts on that? Well, um, I I think it's, you know, better than nothing, certainly, first and foremost, Um, you know, the seven dates to play six games, I'm good with. I know there was a lot of rumors when it comes to football about having a, a bowl game scenario uh, that was being laid out there. I believe kind of the brainchild behind that was the York football coach, Doug Pereira. Um, and it was kind of an opportunity for even teams to continue a postseason where, you know, you could have that bowl game. And they've adopted a model that's similar to with a plus one, which Quite honestly, I'm not crazy about given that, you know, okay, we only have six games this year. Is there going to be much juice or fan interest or really what's the point of having a three and three team potentially playing a two and four team in a non-qualifying game because either team makes the regional playoffs? Um, I'm okay with the, the concept of spring football. I didn't like the five-day gap, which they've laid out initially here from February 22nd to February 27th from game one to game two. I think that's too quick of a turnaround. Uh, and there really hasn't been, from what I've seen at least, laid out a clear, concrete plan as far as the scrimmages go. Are they going to give them two scrimmages or one? I know there's been some rumblings and rumors, murmurs about having, you know, just be there be just one scrimmage here for this coming year. And the more and more, I mean, there was a kid today that just committed guys um, from uh, Northern Virginia in uh, Burton, Virginia, Lake Braddock, wide receiver Max James, who committed to James Madison University. And he's one of the, gosh, I'd say maybe 25, 30, maybe 35 players in the state's top 50, 60 rankings. That's a rising senior who has said, either he's not going to play or he's playing to play with a travel team. Now, he hasn't indicated if he's going to play or not this coming season for Lake Braddock. He's one of three players at that school that's verbally committed to a Division One FBS FCS program, but he's indicated he's going to play with his seven-on-seven travel team, which is this Virginia Spartan squad that I think begins September 19th. And I think, you know, the concern's got to be, and I think the VHL is trying to ignore it, that you're going to have a lot of these players opt out like we're seeing in college football We've even seen some of the NFL because of health and safety reasons, or they'll say, you know what, I'll do this because I'll get my playing in before I go off to college. And that's that. So you do worry about the concern of it watering down the product to an extent, even though I don't think it's as big of a deal for the schools at the class three to one level as it is some of your, you know, large enrollment schools, the class four, five and six division programs. 
I want to go back to your postseason talk and and maybe just a, a semifinals and then the state championships for each classification. I kind of, I guess I didn't think about it, but um, it seemed like uh, a region semifinal, then the region championship, and then the state semifinals would just be the region champions. So to me, it just seemed like the region playoffs were getting shorter and and maybe this is just, you know, our, our area bias here for me, I was looking at that as like, all right, well, I, I think this is going to be almost all winning records in this postseason now. And you're not going to have that three and three versus two and four. Um, did I, did I read that wrong or. No, you didn't Joe. And I would say that the thing is it, it kind of goes region by region. I know down in, in our neck of the woods here, we've had in years past a, a nine and one, Deep Creek or a Kempsel or whoever it might be missed the playoffs. And when it was just a four teams qualified from mm-hmm. that region, back when we had the old AAA division five, division six days. And in fact, just this past year, for example, I'm going to use the Tidewater area as an example here. Woodside was nine and one and they had the five seed and they had to go travel to a four seed Princess Anne who was eight and two. And they shut them out in the first round of playoffs. And Princess Anne had a defensive back and Tony Grimes who was the number one corner in the country. He has decided to enroll early and he's on the depth chart as a backup defensive back for UNC. Might see the field here in a couple of weeks for the Tar Heels and Mac Brown. But the point being, they wouldn't make the playoffs under this concept. Now, that's one, you know, you got to say, well, it's tough, but I don't like having a nine one team miss it. Conversely, yeah. we don't want two and eight teams, three and seven teams. And we've seen that in some of these smaller enrollment divisions. And, you know, with a six game season, my other problem is with the scheduling. Um, and I've always said, by the way, just to, to, to give you my feeling on the post, I've this for years. I like to have a six team. I think that splits the baby. You get the one and two seats buys at the NFL. I think you kind of, you kind of, you kind of get a little bit of both sides of it there, but with the six game schedule, then the other question becomes who's going to play who? in a district that has nine, 10 teams, because now you run into a situation where you could take a team that plays four or five heavyweights or, you know, perennial contenders and a team that goes five and one, but really hasn't been tested from that schedule. And they get in the team that plays a tougher schedule goes three and three. They're left out. Thus it's because of how it's scheduled. And that's not a fair balance schedule when you're taking really 60% of a pie there of maybe a 10 game district schedule for some of these larger districts across the state. So you're one of those issues too. It's not a perfect world. We are dealing with COVID and you got to make the best of it. Um, that being said, I think there's also some issues in sports beyond football. I know even the basketball people, not to get way off topic here, are upset about the only taking one team that wins the region championship. And and even I look at some of the region championships this past year, you had rematches that were slated for the state championship before COVID canceled those. So you wouldn't have had those teams even get to the state tournament. So it puts more of an emphasis on the region final, yet yeah. teams that can win a state championship may not get to the tournament. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a tough spot. Uh, but at least going into it, everybody will know what, what it is ahead of it. This isn't changing on a fly like last spring could have been. Uh, I know, um, obviously, they they ended up canceling a lot of the state championships and but at least it's not changing in the 11th hour. You know going into the season what it'll be. Um, I do appreciate that. And, and I appreciate when you get in the playoffs, you got to win to stay in. And I, and I understand your point of these rematches kind of proven against that. Um, but I, if you know about it heading in, I'm, I'm kind of good with that on my side. Well, another thing, I, I would like to give Dr. Hahn credit on this regard. I, I was hearing some whispers from some administrative people that they were even talking about delaying 
announcing their plan for the plus one and what their exact plan was going to be into September. And there was, I know at the last, and it was, you know, a zoom press conference with media members across the state. And also uh, they did it with, you know, people that are region chairs. There was kind of this urgency from ADs to kind of like, Hey, let's get the ball. rolling. We want to have something as school begins that we can give our coaches to plan and schedule. And I, I think a lot of credit's got to go to him because I think he's been kind of trying to get this push forward along and get to, you know, a, a situation here where we have, yeah kind of a plan and objective as opposed to, I think, in the late spring, early summer, where a lot of people are saying, we're kind of holding on to this hope, and it's very unfortunate, terrible, and sad for the spring athletes. But I was saying back in April, May to folks, you know, whether it be on the internet, radio, I was saying, listen, they've got to start looking at the fall because that's yeah. really the most reality of situations now. And uh, they did that finally. It took a little while, but they finally got yep. that. So kudos for that. I, I agree with you completely. I think what they've been doing since, I guess, there in August, beginning of August, kind of when they made the call of what they were doing. It seems like their communication, their openness since then has been a lot better. And to me, I haven't heard the complaints like I heard in May and June where everything was, it just seemed like it kept punting and kept punting. And then once they bit the bullet and they started being open, it's been a lot better for people to to grab a hold of and, and understand. No question. And, you know, furthermore, basically don't set a date that we're going to have to do this and then something comes out before that date or that we push back yes. the date. In this particular case, I think because they did, they accelerated the process here that's coming out further. They just wanted to make sure that everybody was on board with it and that they are good in terms of how they want to schedule things for the number of games. And it's sounding more and more like it's going to be closed district for across the board here, and I, or a lot of, I think pretty much much of the state here, and some don't like that, but, you know, the reality of the situation is, and we've done a Virginia Preps basketball class where you get some of the best teams on the state, you know, with travel, your hands are kind of tied here. You know, you got you got to make the best of what you can do, and some things are just really, you know, out of your control here. For sure. Looking back, uh, probably a little bit more focused on football, what are some of the biggest storylines? You know, we, we've kind of centralized around the VHL to VHSL decisions and how COVID's caused that. But just looking at football and particularly maybe in the divisions uh, or class three, two, and one, what were some of the biggest storylines that have kind of danced around your head going into this football season? And, and now with it delayed, it'll, it'll push forward. But what's, what are some of the storylines you were kind of focused on in the lower divisions? Well, it's funny. I mean, it seems so long ago since last season ended <laughs> in December. And I think it's kind of people are saying now watching, putting on their, the playoffs of these NBA and NHL games, and they're putting on baseball and they're like, goodness gracious here, you know, getting ready for college football. But one of them to me happened at the end of May when um, the former NFL player and people that follow River yep. real close to who I'm talking about, Mark Dixon, yep. decided to depart from Galax to be named the new coach at Pulaski County. And Pulaski County's got a pretty good pedigree in history. And I'll be oh, yeah. curious to see if they can make a real playoff push under a guy in Dixon who he's I, I kind of call him one of those weight room warrior type of coaches, much like Jamie Harless is out there at Lord Botetot and, you know, the southwestern part of Virginia, where you've got uh, strong linemen and they really are, are built on fundamental play in the trenches and blocking and technique and just being sound and those regards and I think he's going to have them in contention sooner than later and I mentioned Botetot with Trevion Henderson. Uh, not going to play. I mean, I think that's the oh. second storyline, guys. You have some of these big-name players that have verbally committed. Malik Newton from Lake Taylor, He's he told me a few weeks back he's planning to uh, enroll at Pittsburgh in the ACC uh, to play his college football either in late December, early January, so you won't see him as the reigning state player here from a state champ. You won't see Henderson, reigning state player here from a state champ, classes four, 
classes three. We're obviously going to see if Riverheads can continue to make some history there as they continue that drive for five there. We, you know, Highland Springs got denied theirs last year, but look out. They are loaded with talent. They've got multiple yes. FBS commits. And I think you look at schools like them. I mentioned Lake Pratt and Northern Virginia. Can they take that next step? Similar to like a South County did a year ago as they knocked off Westfoot and got that state championship. And you do you watch some of your normal programs that are traditionally strong, your Oscar Smith and Classics here out of Tidewater. You watch a Salem out there, out there in uh, the western part of Virginia, Class 4. They've got a couple of players committed to the University of Louisiana, Monroe, who's invaded the Commonwealth for a number of players. The schools that are traditionally at or near the top to see what they can do, and that's pretty much where we're at with it. But in, in a sad way, some of it's going to be who's got who and who's not playing. Yeah, I, I think definitely for those bigger schools that have those bigger recruits, a hundred percent, that's a huge storyline, but coming, coming to our backyard here, uh, the only reason, and this is just uh, doubling back. The only reason I like the bowl game idea for um, the whole playoffs was that Joe says week one, Hey, who's Riverhead's playing in the state championship. So I said, it'd be fine for class a uh, from, based on how <laughs> Joe already sets things up. <laughs> Well, listen, I, I was open to the bowl game idea, too, because I think it gives you some intrigue if if it's if this is a different year. So you want to create something that's new and fresh. I, I don't like the plus one from the standpoint of saying, oh, yeah, you guys that don't make the playoffs, we'll give you this. It's like a consolation. Yeah. I think if you make it universal across the board and you can still have maybe your tournament or your, your however you know you want to do it, that's what's another thing to do it. Because and then there's also ways, and this is where I think, and I don't want this to come off critical here of the VHSL, but there's so many platforms now with streaming and those opportunities where revenue can be shared and I think created through the schools, through those partners that could really be neat in this time and something that needs to be explored, I think, more in depth. And that, that's something with, again, we don't know how many fans are going to be allowed to come to these games. I know the governors, they're trying to get permission from the governor to have, I think, something I read about like a thousand fans. But bottom line is there's a lot of relatives that can't come to games anyway. And whether they, you know, use some type of network that's national or local, whatever it might be, I think they need to look at that. And if you do something with a bowl game, that's a way that you can create, you would think, some revenue that has been lost in this past year through not having championships. So one of the teams in our area, Stewart's Draft, obviously came up just short in that state championship last year to Appomattox. They're bringing back a lot. Now, they do lose Casey Branch due to graduation. Will uh, They lose Will Jones uh, to transferring to IMG Academy in Florida. Uh, do you think Class 2, do you see Stewart's Draft as a realistic possibility uh, to get back to a state playoff? Or do you think with the loss of a guy like Will Jones, which was unexpected, uh, the loss of who graduated from last year, it's just going to be a, a task that's a little too tough for Stewart's draft. I think we'll get an early indication in the first couple of games where they stand. I think Nathan Floyd did a great job, but and again, I don't mean this to be harsh of him. You look back to the, the way they ended the year before, they had lost three straight games and their defense wasn't quite up to snuff. When they stepped up in competition and saw an Appomattox with Trey Lawing, 42 points got put on the board against a defense that outside of playing Riverheads, another state champ, have been pretty much consistently strong throughout the whole year. So, you know, when they step up in competition class, you play those teams of that caliber. Uh, we know East Rock was was very good the year before, and they got a little bit of a playoff run. Donnie Coleman knows what he's doing out there, so he's going to have that group 
ready to rock and roll. I feel like they're going to be in the mix, but I would not say they're right at the top. I think there's a couple teams. And that class, too, is very, very deep. A team that didn't even get there at the end, Graham. And they were dominant the year before, had a Purdue player uh, in Cameron Allen. So they have some weapons and some speedsters in the backfield. There's always a couple of those teams out west that can pose challenges that could even possibly keep an Appomattox from getting back there. And we know about their history here of getting to the state championship game and winning it under Doug Smith. So I think they're in the hunt, but I think at the, at the end of the day, you've got to have that, that manpower and do you have enough defensively to slow down some of these high octane machines? So I know you're a big basketball guy. What do you make of basketball being that first sport in the VHSL calendar, which is definitely different uh, since it's a winter sport. Now it's kind of front and center and the, the major sport that comes up first. In a way, you know, in a perfect world, you'd say the spring would be the first that we get something in because they didn't have an entire mm-hmm. season. But, you know, I, I really hope and pray that they the kids that you know, they got state championships. But people have been and again, people are silly on social media saying a co-state champion, not a real state champ. Fellas, these kids, boys and girls worked extremely hard to get there. I won't even name the school, but I was even told by someone that one of the schools would not even allow their particular school to get printed up shirts that said state champs. I had to say co. I mean, are we going to continue to throw this in their faces over and over and over again? They didn't get a chance to have in school the celebration with their friends and family. They didn't get a chance to hoist the trophy at the Siegel Center. They didn't get to have those priceless memories and moments that kids are usually having when they win a state championship. And in some cases, they were canceled except for the class two boys and girls. And oh, by the way, John Marshall is going to be dominant again there on Richmond in class two. Yeah. I think it's neat that they're they're going to get maybe that front and center. There'll be anticipation, much like there was that first baseball game with the Nats and the Yankees, much like there was when the NBA returned and sports came back. You hope that they have that kind of that spotlight there in December, right before Christmas and the holidays that some of these, you know, games are, are circled by people when they can go out and check them out. The th- the question to me is going to be, can fans go and what's, what kind of, you know, precautions are going to be limitations and uh, those type of things with it. So um, I'm hoping it goes off. All right. And I think there's going to be some compelling things for basketball to watch out for. Uh, I'm just, you know, right now there's so much uncertainty with it. And again, a lot of these basketball players they've done for the most part outside of individual training on their own, there's been even more than football. You know, it is the summer calendar is so immense for AAU, and there's been practically none. So I'm curious to see kind of what players have been putting in that work on their time and what players have kind of stayed the same or regressed. I have just one more question. You've mentioned a few times about fans, if they're able to come, if they're not. Uh, and I know some of that is not under the VHSL's control. A lot of it isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do have a question. Have you gotten any sense from the VHSL some school districts, obviously, right now, because of COVID, are virtual only. Some are hybrid. Uh, is Has the VHSL given any indication if you're virtual only, does that mean you cannot have your sports teams playing, or are they being lenient with that? They seem to be relatively lenient or and we're playing the waiting game with that. And, again, there was a bunch of questions that were thrown out by 70, 80 media members or so uh, during their virtual Zoom session they had in July on this. And the thing that I was, I, I thought Han, Han, Dr. Hahn and Tom Dolan did a great job of 
you know, being open and honest with things and addressing. The one thing I was a little bit discouraged going back to an earlier point was that there wasn't, I think someone brought up the, the streaming platform and they said, you know, our partners that we work with will certainly be in touch with them. And I've been thinking since March, that's something, there, there needs to be some kind of program in place. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, listen, guys, that even you have, you train these students that want to get into broadcasting, communication, whatever it is, get them going. They don't have to be professionals to do this, to get to allow people to see a game. Just put a camera up and you move it and away you go. And the, to me, the VHSL's got to use their heads and put them together and say, look, this is a way where we can split the revenue with the schools and them to make that happen. Um, I, again, a lot's going to be determined on that, though, with the school. I don't think you can have, though, where we have situations that schools are not in session as far as the kids going to the schools, the teachers going there and having your normal school. And then you allow those teams to travel distances. And when I say distances, you definitely can't do out of district. I think it's, it's definitely district only. And then quite honestly, if we get to November, December after those first nine weeks or so, I think that could be very iffy. So, you know, these next uh, four to six weeks are going to be really pivotal to see if they can get this off the ground. And then what do they do? Do they make adjustments for the winter? Do they scrap it all together? And it's just, let's see if we can have fall only because there have been some coaches, many of whom won't be outspoken publicly about it, but I'll privately tell you, this is going to be football's the king. It's the king at the professional ranks in many people's eyes. It's the king in collegiate sports, and it is in high school sports. And I think they've done a, a pretty solid job of making sure they don't cater to that sport, but they definitely know that's the one that makes the most, brings in the most money, and it's followed by basketball. And if you run into a situation where you don't have those championships, that's an incredible amount of loss revenue that can have ramifications beyond this year. All right, well, Matt, we want to get you out of here on uh, just a lighthearted question that doesn't have to do with high school or COVID or anything. Um, but <laughs> when now that you haven't had, you know, I know it's picking up now with all the VHSL plans and all that, but before, what have you been getting into? What have you been watching? Uh, and what do you recommend for our listeners? Uh, as far as you know, I've watched a little bit of sports. I've been I'm a bit I've been a big Hulu and movie guy, and my movie choice go. lately. I don't know if you've ever seen it, Jackie Brown. Check that one out. It's a good one to watch. Uh, some some uh, interesting scenes in that movie. So go check it out. If you like action, you like uh, some suspense, that one will have have you on the edge of your seats. Uh, it might not be the best for the for the kiddies out there in terms sure. of that, in terms of some of the dialogue. Nonetheless, uh, I'm always looking for a good movie too, and I, I put that on Instagram, uh, Hats Movie of the Week. So if you got a suggestion for me, find me on there or Twitter and send it my way. I'll check one out, maybe give you my um, unbiased review of it. There you go. Yeah, and for the people, uh, go ahead and put out that Twitter handle and Instagram handle. Sure, Hatfield Sports. You can find me up there. I believe my Instagram is like Hatfield Sports 2K4. Um, but go check it out and all the different things we do. And um, Hopefully we'll be talking about some of these games instead of the uh, wait to play. I know we're all on the edge of our seat for something because I'm, there's only so many movies and programs I can check out before I go crazy. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, thanks Matt. Uh, This is the third time you've been on. We really appreciate each and every time you've taken time out of your schedule to come and talk to Leland and I, Uh, we appreciate it. Always a pleasure guys. And thank you for what you guys do. All right, time for the D block where we talk about us a little bit, even though we did that plenty in the A block. <laughs> Let's talk about it now. Again, thanks for uh, Matt Hatfield being on. Always 
I mean, he just packs a lot of info in there for sure. Um, all right. So what's dominating my life? I'll jump out front here. And uh, I think multiple times I've had Hamilton written down on here to talk about. I think back when Steve Cash was on the last time, we were supposed to talk about it and we blew past it. If you haven't watched Hamilton, man, it's good. If you have any appreciation of of musicals or Broadway, it's good. If you have any appreciation of history or political history, I think it's good. Um, I just think it's good overall. I don't think you need to have appreciation of one of those two things to to enjoy it. So I recommend it. It's on Disney Plus. If you don't know what Hamilton is, I don't, the rock you're under must be incredible. Um, you must not know most of what we're talking about <laughs> because it's just one of the most popular things for the last five years. Um, but obviously it's about Alexander Hamilton and it's um, Lin-Manuel uh, Miranda. Lin-Manuel Miranda. I always stutter on it. Uh, but anyway, he is incredibly talented. He wrote this thing and it's just a heck of a show. So I recommend it. Um, songs will get stuck in your head. You'll want to watch it again. I don't think you can just watch it once and feel like you really had it. I think you got to watch it again because, yeah, they're, you know, rap and hip hop music. Uh, it delivers all of the dialogue, um, but it's it's very good. Um, if you're not used to listening to rap and hip hop, I, I could see you missing some stuff, but I think you watch it once or twice. I mean, you still get what's going on the whole time anyway. Um, it's very good. So I really recommend it. Um, my kids are really into it. Um, and I think, I think it's really interesting how they portray, uh, that story and, and they have, um, minority actors in all these roles. They have the costumes on that would serve that time period, but then there's, you know, the way they're delivering it is a very modern music. So I think it's, it's very interesting, um, to tell that story. And, uh, it's not like it makes Hamilton some kind of perfect man by any means. Um, so it's very interesting. I highly, highly recommend it. Um, one of the few things in the last long time that got really hyped up that I thought actually lived up for me, it really, it halfway through it, I was like, wow, this is living up. And through the end, it did. Um, a lot of the other movies like frozen and stuff like that. I just didn't, didn't live up, but this was one of the major hype things in the last five years. And it, it did. So, yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Um, You'll like it. You're not I mean, the I mean, first person that's told me to watch it and that yeah. I would like it. And I'm not doubting it. It's almost at this point, like when people tell you to do something and you were going to do it, but now that people are telling you to do it, you don't want to out of spite. Don't do it, Joe. Don't watch it. You'd be stupid to watch it. Well, there you go. Leland told me not to watch it, so I will take Leland's advice. Um <laughs> What is dominating my life? The thing about reverse psychology is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, the thing that is dominating my life is that my neighbors moved out. Um, the neighbors that live below me, the Georgia fans, um, they've lived here the entire time I've lived here. Did they have a role within the Robert Morris administration or were they were they just outside of that? No, and I think that might have played a role in them moving out is they just didn't feel appreciated by Robert Morris and that university and the athletic department at all um, because they wouldn't schedule around Georgia games. And the one fan <laughs> who would show up was very loud when he was trying to watch his Georgia games. So, um, but yeah, on a serious note, um, it stinks because I got to know them very well and their young daughter, and they were great neighbors. Um, but they are moving to Georgia. Uh, they are looking to oh, get wow. a house down there. Um, so 
I got their coffee table, which is great because my big Ooh. oversized coffee table is now in the dumpster along with one of the end tables. Again, it's the place is totally rearranged. So when the pandemic ends and Leland and prime listener Rob come over for another soccer match, uh, they will totally be surprised by the layout of the apartment. Um, and it's, it's actually a lot better. I like it. Um, I like the new coffee table or new to me coffee table. Um, but yeah, it's going to suck, uh, them not being there. Uh, it's already different. Um, I don't hear the crying and the running (laughs) and the playing, but I don't, I also don't hear the laughing and the playing and, um, you know, they're not down there to go watch football with this fall. So that'll be hard. But, um, Hopefully the new neighbors, when whoever they are, and whenever they move in, will be good neighbors. So this is also me saying, if you know people who are good people, if you know people who are bad people, don't tell them. But if you know people who are good people and are looking for a place uh, sending, in Waynesboro. I'm sending all these people that, don't, that believe this is a hoax your way. God, please don't. <laughs> please don't. I would just rather, oh, don't. But yeah, it, again, um. Hopefully the new neighbors are good neighbors. And if you know people in the Waynesboro area who are looking that are good people, let me know. All right. So what, uh, what do you know that I need to know? I know that Bob Nightingale has this bad habit of just jinxing everything. Either that or his sources at this point are expert level trolls because it's gotten to the point now where if Bob Nightingale, who's a baseball writer, uh, if you're not familiar with him, tweet something out i go ahead and assume that the exact opposite is about to happen uh he's the one who put base the baseball season is about to be canceled right before opening night and then opening night plays he puts all these like rumors on trades or signings or all this stuff he's like my sources are telling me this his sources told him mike clevenger is definitely not going to the padres and sure enough (laughs) Mike Clevenger goes to the Padres. And just what is the latest example of the Bob Nightingale jinx? Um, I, I find it hilarious at this point. I feel bad for him. I don't, I've never really read his work, so I don't know how great of a writer he is. But for him to just be wrong so many times, it's amazing. I just wish he would say the Orioles have no chance of making the playoffs because that would give me more hope than the Orioles rattling off a seven-game win streak this week. Well, yeah, maybe, yeah, pick them to be winless. That'll be good. What I know that you need to know is uh, 2020 has hit again. Uh, and I'm surprised, I guess, the varied responses from this. But Chadwick Bozeman, who played the Black Panther, also played many other roles. Um, he passed away the other night uh, after battling colon cancer for four years, and no one knew. And... Um, I don't know. I feel like this is one of those times that I got it. I get it. Um, I think I've, I've tried to understand everything going on with the black lives matter movement. And I've tried to watch things to better understand it. And I think I'm learning, but I think with Chadwick Boseman, I think, I think I already got it. I I think I understood this one for some reason when we went and saw that black Panther movie. um, I don't think we saw it until like it was on its way out of the theater. I think we saw it the legacy for three bucks but like walking out of the theater, I was like, man, that was good. And I was just really happy to have seen it in the theater. I was really happy. I just had that feeling of like how important that was to the African-American community, that it was um, important for them to see a title main character um, 
who was black, who was a superhero and, and an icon. And um, they had there that hadn't happened before. So I thought that was I, I could feel it then. I could understand the power that movie had. And then the, the fact that it was so good and it wasn't deemed, um, you know, a black movie, you know, it wasn't, you know, what didn't fall in that category that movies that are deemed that are. I mean, it was just a major blockbuster movie put out superhero movie and it was awesome and good and everybody can enjoy it. And it just had, you know, 98% um, black people in it. And, and that doesn't, you know, it doesn't make it better because of that. It just was that good. It had that. And I don't think we see that enough in Hollywood. And I think Hollywood dives right into also, you know, you can only have like one strong female lead character. Black Panther also threw that out the door. They had many strong female characters and uh, that were very independent and didn't depend on men. So like, I thought it did more than just for the black community, but also for women. I think it just kind of represented just a better way of approaching making movies. And so, yes, Chadwick Boseman was not the director, not the producer of that, but he was the lead actor. And he understood the moment and took on, he took understanding what he represented. And um, I always thought a lot of him for that. Um, he also played Jackie Robinson. He also played Thurgood Marshall. Um, he, had, uh, he also played uh, James Brown. He played these other iconic um, black people who were famous in society and, 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 and changed the game. Um, you know, Jackie Robinson, probably the, the most and, and Thurgood Marshall. I mean, I'm, I don't know how you decipher those, but both very meaningful uh, in my book. Um, so I really respected that he took those roles on, performed them so well, and then also, um, you know, responded to that leadership that 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 took on. Um, so I I was really blown back when I saw that he passed away the other night and uh, it was upsetting. And then the fact that ABC took Sunday night, put Black Panther on commercial free, had a 40 minute Chadwick Boseman program after it talking about just what I just said, I thought was really meaningful and, and do, I think if you look at it on paper, this guy was in this many movies, he was this old, um, what awards did he win or what? And you would maybe think, wow, that's a lot, but ABC realized what he had done. And, uh, I'm hoping that especially the people that didn't really understand who he was beforehand or hadn't seen black Panther, didn't understand the, the cultural impact that had, um, maybe more so now, and maybe we'll catch Black Panther now. And, uh, you know, when, when I was reading off things to watch or read or listen to every week, uh, through the summer to better understand Black Lives Movement, Black Panther is a, we a fun ride of one of these to do. This isn't a documentary. This isn't, um, a depressing story that, um, <laughs> just keeps people down their entire lives and with no relief. Uh, this is a, a, a it is a superhero movie and it's very entertaining. So, but watch that and think about what I've said in this, when you watch it, if it's your first time and um, hopefully you better understand what was lost now that uh, the people feel like they've lost the black Panther um, lost that icon. And especially these young kids that have, you know, really idolized that superhero and they know the actor has died and, and those aren't really two different things to them. Um, that's meaningful. So hopefully, um, Hopefully there's something else that comes in here that's positive because it, it was kind of a, a blow at the bad time right now. So uh, I recommend that movie before uh, he passed, but I definitely recommend it now. And uh, I commend ABC for, you know, knowing what they had there. So, 
Yeah. Um, I, long, I, long-winded there. I'm sorry. When, when I saw that news, uh, it was kind of like you, shocking. Um, in fact, I was yeah. downstairs with the neighbors um, Friday night, and we were watching a baseball game and playing cards and drinking and have a good time when, you know, that came across ESPN's bottom line. It was Chadwick Boseman has passed away. And of course they, with it being ESPN, they focused on the fact that he played Jackie Robinson and it was on Jackie yeah. Robinson day and yeah. it made it kind of eerie. And, um, uh, the people that were down there and all of us kind of looked at each other and were like, I didn't even know he had colon cancer. So, yeah, no one did, um, he, he kept that to himself. He battled privately and, um, it, it stinks whenever you lose a person young to to any kind of cancer. But as you said, uh, a person who meant a lot to it's so talented, to, yeah, to to black people in this country, and it's, it's yeah, more so that more upsetting. So that. Right. And, and they're going yeah. through a lot right now, as they have their entire time in this country. Um, but yeah. it feels like now, especially, and this is just another sad moment for them, and it it stinks and there's uh really no other way around it other than you know he's a good actor but it's not about you know how good of an actor he was it's about what he represented no, to to black americans in this country very, and around the world so. I, I don't i didn't mean to minimize that at all mm-hmm. uh but on top of that of, of having that um responsibility on him he was a good actor and and made the most of it yes so i think very I think he made the most of it, and that that was very meaningful. I at one point in that movie, um, probably the second time I watched it, so probably you know, on Netflix a year later, I remember there's a scene with him and um, Michael B. Jordan talking at towards the end of the movie. Things have kind of calmed down, and I just remember thinking, sometime we're going to look back at this and think, wow, look what we watched in this movie with these two guys right here. Um, especially considering Chadwick Boseman's connection with Denzel Washington, how he paid for him to go to a summer school at Oxford for acting. Um, I think that's justified company there. Um, so I, I just really looked at that. Um, Michael B. Jordan and Chadwick Boseman kind of being leaders uh, in acting, um, much less being black actors. So, uh, yeah, it's upsetting that we've lost somebody that I think really, uh, I think I said in a tweet that it, it was he was on, an, on a path of continuing to change the world. Um, cause he already had. So, um, I think, uh, it's a big loss and, uh, I don't think it can be overstated how important he was particularly to the, um, to the black community. So awkward transition here to the close. Um, <laughs> the NFL is coming back. It looks like, so we'll, Leland and I will talk about that next week. We'll also be talking about some college football that may be coming back that week. Um, so John John Thompson passed away. I, I want to at least acknowledge it. He yep. was a very meaningful uh, coach in college basketball. I, I'll be honest. I didn't have a whole segment to talk about him because I his prime wasn't my prime for college basketball watching. He was an, an old elder statesman when, when I watched college basketball. So I encourage listeners, interact with us on Twitter. Tell us uh, what John Thompson meant to you and your reaction to John Thompson passing away. And uh, maybe we'll talk about that next week. But uh we need to be educated, I think, is, is part of it. I mean, we know we know his impact on the game, and we know what he did, but um, let's hear from some listeners, and, and we'll talk about it more next week. So you can tell us about that by following us on Twitter, at YakSportsPod, Facebook, YakSportsPod, or you can email us, YakSportsPod, at gmail.com. If you have any thoughts on anything we talked about, whether it's the VHSL, college football, MLB, uh, NASCAR, whatever, 
NBA. Uh, tell Derek us, Jeter. yeah, tell us about how great. <laughs> tell us about how average Derek Jeter truly was, and your least favorite Derek Jeter moments that get overhyped. Is it him not being an athlete and not being able to stop and having to dive into the stands at Yankee Stadium because he's not in good? A playoff game. Uh, is it him cutting off a baseball that's already going to home and going to be able to throw the runner out and flipping it for no good reason, just because he's selfish and wants to hog the limelight from his outfield. Sure. That was his motivation. I want to be in the middle. Is it, is it him just truly being a horrendous defensive shortstop? Um, not so much. Let us know. Uh, well, yes. In the playoffs moments, not horrendous in the playoffs. Defensively. He's bad didn't seem like those mistakes showed up in the playoffs very often only because you're looking only at errors that doesn't fielding percentage is not how you judge the true defensive goodness of a player how many championships did that guy win how many times because he's surrounded all right i'm not going to get into this here Uh, again if he play if he didn't play on the new york yankees he wouldn't have won any championships it was about the other people around him and about how good of a gm he had when he was there in new york so whatever congratulations Derek Jeter you fell ass backwards into luck and got to play for the New York Yankees if you'd been a Pittsburgh Pirate you're not even in the Hall of Fame and nobody knows your name so there's that you certainly don't own the Miami Marlins let's ask people in Miami what they think of Derek Jeter he's great (laughs) he isn't the best baseball owner right now is he (laughs) he's so smart and just such a genius at baseball um but anyway Subscribe to us on Podbean, <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify so you never miss another episode. Uh, with high school sports inching closer and closer and a decision on high school sports maybe being closer and closer, we'll see. College sports are right around the corner. We'll have more for you in the coming weeks, so be sure to tell your friends about that as well. We'll be talking about the sports that matter to them here in Augusta County. Until then, folks, for Leland McRae, I'm Joe Deck. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.